This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Hi, my name is Andrew Perlman, and I'm a professor at Suffolk University Law School, where I teach civil procedure and legal ethics. So a little bit of background about the Defense of Marriage Act, which is often referred to as DOMA. DOMA was passed about 15 years ago and was designed to respond to a number of states that had adopted laws or had state Supreme Court decisions that were permitting same-sex marriages. DOMA was passed to ensure that states that did not allow same-sex marriages would not have to accept the validity of same-sex marriages from states that did permit those marriages. So DOMA has been on the books for a number of years, and there have been a variety of challenges to DOMA. What changed recently was that the Obama administration directed the Justice Department not to defend DOMA, uh, not to defend the constitutionality of it. So some members of Congress who were in support of DOMA decided to retain outside counsel to represent, to basically take on the side of the defense in defending DOMA against various court challenges. King and Spaulding was the law firm that was retained to defend the constitutionality of DOMA. Shortly after King and Spaulding was retained, they withdrew from that representation, and it's that withdrawal that was the source of considerable controversy. There were a, a number of things that caused controversy here. It's not entirely clear what caused the law firm to withdraw. Some people have said it was because the retainer was written too broadly, in that it prohibited employees of the firm from advocating in any way against DOMA. And conceivably, that could be construed to include a lawyer or even an employee of the firm writing a letter criticizing DOMA. So some people thought that the retainer itself, which was unusual, was written too broadly and that the firm withdrew for that reason. Some people say that it was because of the political pressure associated with the fact that they were defending DOMA, and there were considerable pressure from a variety of outside sources trying to get King and Spaulding to withdraw. And then a third theory is that there was internal pressure from one of King and Spaulding's clients. Some people said that Coca-Cola, which is one of King and Spaulding's clients, was exerting pressure on the firm to withdraw. So nobody's entirely clear which of these reasons, or perhaps another reason not just mentioned, or all of those reasons combined, led the firm to withdraw. And the controversy surrounds the issue of whether a law firm really should back down under these circumstances. It is a very unusual clause. It wouldn't be in a standard retainer agreement, and it seems to go beyond what a law firm would be ethically required to do for a client. What's a little bit unclear is that Congress does have some rules regarding law firms that do work for it, but the way that the retainer is worded seems to go beyond what would necessarily be required. And so that's the nature of the controversy is that the retainer itself seems to be worded in such a way that it's broader than is necessary. You do hear from time to time that law firms withdraw. It's relatively infrequent for a law firm to back down for political reasons, and it's controversial for law firms to do that. Normally, when we think of a law firm representing a client, they're representing that client for good or bad, and even subject to political controversy, the lawyer is supposed to stick by the client. So it's pretty unusual for a law firm to back out of a case 
for those kinds of reasons. Professor Gillers remarked in the Times that he thought that it was a bad thing that King and Spalding withdrew under these circumstances. And based on what I've seen, I do tend to agree with him. I think it is problematic for law firms to back down to political pressure, which it does seem was what was going on here. I think that there are a variety of clients who are unpopular, who take unpopular positions, and who are widely despised, who nevertheless deserve vigorous representation. Now, of course, lawyers are free to turn down a client for just about any reason. But when they decide to take on a client, they take on that client for good or bad. And even though that client might be unpopular, the lawyer is supposed to do the best job possible for that client. And so the problem here isn't so much that the law firm decided to take the case. It's that it decided to back down from political pressure. And I think Professor Gillers is referring to that decision as being problematic. So there was a similar situation last year with regard to an advertisement that was put out by Liz Cheney, the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney, that was criticizing lawyers who represented detainees at Guantanamo Bay. And it does raise similar issues in the sense that we don't want lawyers to feel like they can't take on on popular causes uh, just because it's going to cause a political backlash or that there's going to be some kind of repercussion for that. Lawyers are not supposed to be viewed as Uh, endorsing their client's position. And that's a very important principle. Lawyers and law firms back down because of that pressure. It starts to break down what I think is a very important barrier between what a client believes and what the lawyer believes. Lawyers shouldn't be viewed as uh, taking on the view of their clients. And so when a lawyer does take on a matter and then backs down, I think that sets an unfortunate precedent. The case really raises a number of interesting questions for students to consider. Number one, is it ever appropriate to criticize a lawyer or a law firm for the clients that they represent? Is it ever appropriate to back down because of political pressure or because of the potential economic consequences for a a law firm uh, as a result of clients not wanting to hire that firm or lawyers not wanting to go there. So it raises some very interesting questions for lawyers to think about and for law students to think about. And it's one that comes up with a fair amount of frequency. You know, just last year with the Al-Qaeda 7 case, and there are a number of other similar cases that have repeated throughout history where lawyers are questioned or criticized for the clients that they represent. And it's very important for law students to be thinking about their own views about the lawyer's role, and I think this case presents those issues very clearly. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.